again we come to you and we thank you for this time. We just ask that as we come before your word, Lord, and before your throne, that we may just enjoy your word and that we may just bring that little bit more from it, Lord, to apply to our lives. Thank you for all things. Bless Philip, we do ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so just before we start, I do have one notice to give you. And as you know, in less than four weeks, I'll be getting married, and each and every one of you is invited. So please count this your personal invitation to my wedding, and we really hope to see you there. It will be at the Central Baptist Church in Hamilton at 1 p.m. So um, please come along to that. We'd love to see you there. Today, we are in Genesis, at Genesis chapter 11. And you know... When I, was in, when I first arrived in Singapore, I was reminded of this passage because the buses that were driving around had a picture of the Dubai Tower on the back. And I don't know if you know about that tower, it's a lot higher than the Sky Tower in Auckland, this huge tower pictured on the back of all these buses. And the words next to this tower said, together we can achieve anything. Let's read this passage together. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they're one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, the name was called, its name, the city's name, was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the, all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Turn with me now on Shonak 2, please, to Acts chapter 2. And we'll just read this passage that we'll be referring to later on. This, of course, is after Jesus has died and, been, and come back to life and gone back to heaven. And what happened earlier in this chapter is that on the day of Pentecost, um, we'll read here from verse 2. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where the apostles were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
How is it that we each hear, each one of us, in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, our own languages, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? So uh, when we're looking at Genesis um, chapter 11, this passage is very closely related to that, and we'll see that later on. But for now, I'd like to take you back to the very beginning of the book of Genesis. Can you remember how it started? In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. He made, he made the earth with delight and wonder, and he said, it is good. And when he made people, he said, it is very good. But then people sinned against God, and it was terrible. And so God acted in anger and in judgment by cursing the ground and cursing the serpent, and the consequences of sin were introduced to our world. And the worst consequence of sin was death. Death is separation. When we die physically, our souls and spirits are separated from our bodies. But death is more than that. Death is also separation from the Lord our God. And on that day, Adam and Eve's relationship, humankind's relationship was broken, and was separated from God. Humanity was now separated from the life that God had planned. But God had a plan to restore that. And we see the first hint of this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between um, the serpent's offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And the rest of Genesis is looking forward to this seed, this person who will be able to do this, or um, those people. And in, in Genesis, it's not clear till the New Testament exactly who that is, and we know that the, the, the seed is our Lord Jesus Christ. So the book of Genesis, um, hang on, see if this goes, turn it on, excellent, yes. So the book of Genesis um, is laid out in such a way to show us the beginning of God's plan to bring a rescuer for his people. And when Genesis was first written, it didn't have chapters, it didn't have verses, so the writer of Genesis divided it up using a particular phrase, and he divided it up into 10 sections. And each section is called a toledot in Hebrew, <laughs> right? And in your Bible, you will read, this is the account of, or these are the generations of, and those, those things are translating this Hebrew word toledot. So here you can see the 10 chapters of Genesis that the writer put in there. It starts off the Toledot of the heavens and the earth. And this word is important because this is, if you think of generation, what comes out of, what is generated by. So what came out of the heavens and the earth? Well, God made Adam the crown of his creation to rule the earth under him in perfect relationship with God. Um, oops, 
And then we have the Toledot of Adam. What happened from Adam? And we have the fall and how people rebelled against God. What happened from Noah? So you can see in, in this book of Genesis, God is showing us how he chose his people for, for the sake of the whole earth so that people could be rescued, so that people could come to know him again. So um, here, this is not necessarily a timeline. This is a line of all of the, the Toledot, all of the sections of Genesis. And so if we're un to understand our passage today, we need to understand where we're at. So today, um, we are in this Toledot, this um, part of the book of Genesis that's talking about the sons of Noah. And that goes from chapter 10 until the end of uh, chapter 11, verse 9. And it's really interesting in this, um, in this, this Toledot because we're actually, given, we're actually given in chapter 10 a big, long genealogy. And what the writer does is he gives us the sons of Noah, the sons of Japheth, he was the first one of the sons of Noah, the sons of Ham, and the sons of Shem. And in each one, he gives a summary of, these, of, the, of what happened. So... Um, you know, he, he fathered all of these people and then says, from these, the coastland people spread out in their lands, each with his own language in their clans and in their nations. And then he describes the sons of Ham and the sons of Ham have more space in chapter 10 than the other, um, than the other sons. And that's because they, the sons of Ham, end up being the enemies of Israel, the Canaanites and the Assyrians and all of those peoples. Um, so, the, but after he's described the sons of Ham in chapter 10, he says, these are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. And also to Shem, after describing Shem's descendants, he says, these are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. And these are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies in the nations, and from these the nations spread out abroad after the, uh, um, after the flood. You know, in, in Genesis um, chapter um, 9, in the previous chapter, the one about Noah, the Toledot of Noah, um, it tells us that God gave Noah a blessing, and it was the same blessing that he gave to Adam. To both Adam and to Noah, he said, um, he, gave, he said, be blessed and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This was God's blessing that he planned for the people. And so when we look at chapter 11, we can see that it's divided into two sections. There begins with the plans of the people. And we can notice that they're opposite to God's plans. The, um, it says the whole earth had one language and all the people settled in one place. So when it says they all had one language, hang on, in chapter 10 it says there were already languages and nations and peoples. What is happening here? Well, I believe that this is a flashback to before the events of chapter 10. Before the events of chapter 10. Chapter 10 tells us that Noah's descendants... Noah's descendants did fulfill that blessing. They did spread out and they filled the earth. They did that. 
But then Genesis chapter 11 um, starts off by telling us that this was not because the people were obedient. This was because of God's actions and not because of theirs. The whole earth had one language. All the people settled in one place, whereas God had said, be fruitful and spread out and fill the earth. They said, let us build a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. Right, And we'll be looking at um, what that means. And they said, let us make a name for ourselves so that we won't be scattered. Have you ever wondered why God would be annoyed or angry that they wanted to build a high tower? What would be wrong with that? Well, they've said that they wanted to build their city and their tower to make a name for themselves. And when we read name in the Bible, we need to think of reputation. We need to think of honor and fame. Um, for example, if you think of the name Edmund Hillary, the first thing that comes to your mind is climbing Mount Everest, the first man to climb Mount Everest. Right? That's what he's famous for. That's, like, that's how he made his name for himself. Oh, our God, he has a name, and he is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the one in charge. He is the one who gives commands. These people wanted to make a name for themselves. And we know that um, from inscriptions of different things that um, people built back in the day, that, they, that a lot of kings thought that if they built great buildings, then the gods would recognize them and make them famous, and that they could even give the gods advice and be kind of part of the gods' council. And uh, this is what uh, many people thought in, in ancient days. And so these people wanted to make a name for themselves so that they would not be scattered, so that they could disobey God, so that they could go their own way and... and um, and not fill God's plans. And this, this idea of having its top in the heavens is an idea that's there throughout Scripture, and it means something that's proud. And we can see that if we look up a few verses. Um, let's just look up Jeremiah chapter 51 and verse 53. It says, Though Babylon should mount up to heaven... And though she should fortify her strong height, yet destroyers would come from me against her, declares the Lord. And the Lord is speaking against the pride of Babylon. If we think of Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13, talking about the king of Tyre, he says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the far reaches of the north. And there are many uh, passages that we could look up where this idea of being high is also the idea of being mighty, being like God. And isn't that also the same as the original sin? Didn't Satan say, you will be like God, knowing good and evil? These people were going against God in terms of their own plans. And there's another thing when they say, let's make a name for ourselves. You know, in Genesis chapter 6, where it talks about the Nephilim, were, in your Bible it will say men of renown. In Hebrew it says men of the name. 
The, the Nephilim were, um, were strong warriors. They were mighty people. They were, they were famous people. They were well-known, and they were so evil that God judged them all with a flood. And here, again, these people are wanting a great name like that. And also, in making a name for themselves, they, they really wanted to be known throughout history. And funnily enough, they are. You see, at the end of this passage, there's a very interesting wordplay on the name of Babylon. The tower builders wanted a great name for themselves, but God gave them an infamous name. Um, Babel in Hebrew is Babel, and it sounds very similar to Baalel, right? Baalel means confused. So they called the name of the city Babel, but they were scattered because of Baalel. They were confused. And um, forever afterwards, throughout Scripture, the name of Babylon, which um, is, is there, is always associated with evil, the arch enemies of God. And um, we'll we'll look at we'll come back to that again later. Um, but just for now, you could say that you could um, think of the book of Nahum, where God is delivering judgment against Babylon. You could think of Revelation 18, where um, God talks of a future Babylon, a super evil city that he will judge. And the early Christians, they called Rome Babylon. Babylon was their code word for Rome because Rome was a very large and very evil city. So um, interestingly enough, they, they did get a name. They got an infamous name associated with rebellion against God. So, in, in some, we've looked at the people's plans. They were directly disobedient to God. They didn't want God's blessings, and they strongly desired a name for themselves. And so we have to ask ourselves, how often do we and our society want our own name, our own fame, that's opposite to what God plans? In our society at large, often technology is marketed as the security of the future, the way to fix the world's problems. Even... Um, sometimes in churches, you hear people saying, oh, our church is like this, and those churches are like that, and this is our brand, this is our name, this is us, we're better, and um, we plan to do this, and we, we plan to, to grow our, our market share like this. Or sometimes as individuals, we, strive, we all strive to be somebody, to, to be known for something. Some people go for, want to be part of the Guinness Book of World Records. Some people are really, really keen that their kids get the top marks in school in every single test. Some, some want to be the head of their business and the, the very best at their work. And, you know, all of these can be very good things, but they can also reveal the prideful ambition of our own hearts to have our own fame and to be like God and not to recognize God on the plans that we have. Sometimes you can hear it when people list all the achievements 
of their past over and over and over again. Oh, when I was your age, I was the top of my company and I had 50 people under me and I had 18 children and I was uh, an amazing family person and, and you're, you're not there kind of thing. Or you can hear it in, um, sometimes in people's ambitions for the future. Oh, I'm going to get three degrees and I'm going to be a doctor and I want to do this and I want to do that. And again, both of those things can be very good, but they can also reveal the quiet ambition of our hearts to gain a name for ourselves. And so I would encourage all of us this morning to examine our own hearts and think, what are my plans and do they fit with what God wants? For many people, when they make their plans, their own desire is the only judge of whether that plan is good or not, of what they would like to do. And they, many people don't consider um, the Lord our God in the process. And these people at Babel definitely didn't. Um, but the, so that's, that's the first half of this passage, talking about people's plans, what they planned to do. Now let's look at this, um, the second half, God's actions. And we'll find that God's actions were the opposite of what people planned. The people wanted to build a tower and a city so that they could avoid being scattered, so that they could have a tower that reached to the heavens and, and made them great. What did God do? Well, they said, let's build a tower so we won't be scattered. But God scattered them. <laughs> they made a tower with its top in the heavens, but God had to come down to see this puny tower. And, of course, as we see before, the name Babel sounds like Balel. The name Babel sounds like confusion, and it's very, um, very infamous um, throughout Scripture and throughout history. And so, interestingly enough, God had said to Noah, fill the earth and spread out, and this is my blessing to you. And you know what? Here, God judged them, and the result of the judgment was blessing. The result of God's judgment was blessing. God was so kind, he didn't wipe them off the face of the earth with another flood or a ball of fire. He wanted them to be blessed, and he made that possible in spite of their disobedience. God came down in judgment so everybody, so everyone would be blessed. And this actually is, this is, in line with the whole message of the book of Genesis. Now, um, at the beginning of Genesis, God promised that the seed of the woman would crush Satan's head. And throughout the Genesis, the line of the seed is always in danger. Sarah was barren and taken for Abraham's sister by other men. Then finally, Isaac was born, but his inheritance was challenged by his brother. Then Jacob's brother threatened to kill him. And then Laban changed Jacob's wages ten times and cheated Laban on his choice of bride. Joseph was imprisoned and forgotten, and there was a famine throughout all the land. But it doesn't matter what people do. People always do whatever they like, but God is the one who makes his plans happen regardless of what people do. Even he is able to use the, things that, the bad things that people do to bring about his blessing, um, as he did in Joseph's case. 
And Joseph uh, made this statement. It's at the very end of Genesis, and I believe it's a good summary of the whole of Genesis. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And this is true, too, of our Lord Jesus Christ and the cross. You know, um, in Acts chapter 4, we read in the Apostles' Prayer about how Pontius Pilate and all those people thought they were doing what they wanted to do. But Jesus still died on the cross and came back to life for the sins of the world. And um, Jesus did that to bring blessing to all the families of the earth. We have such an amazing God who is able to do this, who is so loving, so keen on blessing his people. And he's also, at the same time, so just that he will not leave anything wrong, unjudged or unpunished. And um, these two long bars here, you probably can't read them, but they're just saying that um, Babylon was always linked through, with evil right throughout Scripture. Um, and we probably don't have time to, to look at those now. But um, also, interestingly enough, when Israel was disobeying God, when they turned to idols, when they followed their own plans, when they tried to make a name for themselves, God always warned them and said, you know what, judgment is coming, Israel, and you'll know it by this. When you hear people of a strange language and a foreign tongue in your city, you will know that judgment is near. And we can look at some of those. Let's look at um, Deuteronomy chapter 49 and verse 50. This is um, in the, the Lord says, if you disobey me, he says, the Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. In Isaiah chapter 28, God says, you think my rules are do, 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 rule on rule, rule on rule, a little here, a little there? He says, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. And to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest. And he said, this is the place of repose, but they would not listen. In Isaiah 28, God is saying, you know what, you think my word is a, a whole pile of rules and you can't be bothered following me. He said, well, I'm going to bring judgment on you and the sign of that is foreign languages and strange tongues. And uh, we could go on to, to many other passages. So come with me then to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, that passage that we read before, these people are Jews from every nation, from all over the place. And they, they came to Jerusalem for the Passover, and they heard people speaking in foreign languages the wonders of God to them. And they were amazed, and they were afraid. You know what? Jesus had said to Jerusalem that her destruction was coming, and it did come in AD 70. 
the Romans came in and they destroyed Jerusalem. And I'm told that there were no Christians in Jerusalem when it was destroyed because they had all fled because of persecution. And these, these Galileans, hearing the, God, the word of God, the wonders of God spoken in their own languages at, at Pentecost on that day for those Jews, that was a sign of judgment to them if they knew their Old Testament. But it was also not just a sign of judgment. It was also, in a sense, the beginning of the reversal of Babel. Because finally, in all of these different languages, God was being praised with his wonders being declared. And Jesus had commanded that they take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And here um, we see somewhat a reversal of Babel, because in Babel, people were separated by their language, by their languages. But here there are many languages praising God. And again, in Revelation chapter 9, let's turn there on Shunak, please, Revelation chapter 9, and verse, uh, sorry, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and on the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. One of the blessings that our Lord Jesus Christ has brought is the reversal of the effects of sin. And um, the separation that came because of sin, the separation between people and God, and the separation between people and people because of their sin will be undone. So um, Jesus' death and resurrection has the power to reverse God's judgment and the curse of sin. And this is something that's amazing. So if I were to sum up uh, Genesis chapter 11, I would say people's prideful plans fail because God's purposes prevail. And we can take courage in this. We can take courage when we see the evil things that are happening around the world. We can know that doesn't matter what they do, God's plans will stand. And we can also notice that our only significance is found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he does consider us significant. We're not nothing or nobody. Jesus died for you and for I. And Ephesians tells us that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And he values us so much. Our name is not found apart from God. It is found in God. 
And we need to make absolutely sure that our plans and the plans of our society line up with God's because we know that he will judge and he will bring his plans about no matter what. And um, there's a lot we could say about that, but we'll have to leave it here for today. Um, So thank you very much for listening, and let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you're able to bring your plans about regardless of what people do. Lord, thank you that there is no wisdom, no plan, no insight that could ever succeed against you. And Lord, thank you that you are so strong and mighty that even the highest towers built by people are as nothing to you. And Lord, we want to thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that he, he died instead of us. He conquered sin and death and Satan and has enabled the reversal of the terrible things that sin brought. So, Lord, thank you very much for all, of, all that you've done and your wonderful word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.